Hello, my praying people, and thank you for coming on back to this second part of our conversation about witchcraft in Wicca and its um, um, rise in our culture today. Let me remind you that knowledge can be power, but the only way that a Christ follower is able to adequately handle knowledge is to submit it to the wisdom of God. Wisdom is much better than knowledge because wisdom knows how to apply knowledge. And so by the power of the Spirit, I invite you to continue listening so that you can learn how to respond to those who you may know who might be practicing Wicca witchcraft. This episode would also be great for anyone you know who may have children, grandchildren, loved ones who are embracing New Age thought, who are dismissing the church, looking elsewhere for their spiritual satisfaction, because even though they may be um, following after something other than witchcraft, the prayers that I'm sharing with you and the truth of how to relate to people um, can be adapted absolutely to anyone else. In this episode, I'm I'm um, sharing a lot of information from other resources, and so please do check out my show notes where I give you the links to all of that and um, also the links to the books that I, I brought my prayers from that I share with you at the end. So um, here we go. Welcome back to the Prayer Clinic Podcast and our continuation of the discussion about the rise in modern-day witchcraft. If I have this uh, published right on time, this should be the week of Halloween. And I want to remind you that this has been a three-part series where we focused on the Halloween holiday, its origins, and then we've talked about the modern-day attraction and just unprecedented increase in the number of people who are um, practicing witchcraft. I looked up to find out what is the most, um, the fastest growing religious group in the United States today. And do you know what it was? In the world, it's the Muslim faith. But in America, the fastest growing religion of the day is nuns, N-O-N-E-S, people who ascribe to no organized religion. And in fact, I should add that those who are practicing witchcraft and ascribe to the Wiccan way of believing would not consider this a religious institution, an organized religion. It's a very loosely structured um, practice of um, what they would call good magic. So, With that uh, being said, I want to remind you that my purpose in this episode is to talk to us about how to respond to the people we know who are practicing witchcraft and Wicca. And again, I'm going to use articles that I've seen online. First, I want to go back to the two two of the things that I shared with you about Wicca in um, last week's episode. The first thing I shared was that witches do not believe in Satan. And um, I want to share what that article had to say for how that impacts our way of interacting with them. And this is what it said. One way to demonstrate, no, let's see, let me start back right here. A Christian apologist should point out that belief in someone does not determine that person's actual reality. One way to demonstrate this is to ask the witch if she believes in the Pope. 
No, she's likely to answer. The Pope is a Christian figure. True, you concede, but there is a man in Rome who holds the office of the papacy. I don't even know how to say it. Right? And so your belief or disbelief in the papacy does not determine whether or not the papacy exists. Put that way, a person will have to acknowledge that something or someone can exist independently of belief in its reality. That's when you can make the case that Satan exists and that he does not require belief to determine his reality or his action in someone's life. In fact, disbelief in him can make it easier for him to accomplish his ends. In fact, in the preface to the Screwtape Letters, C.S. Lewis notes that there are two equal and opposite errors into which our race can fall about the devils. One is to disbelieve their existence. The other is to believe and to feel an excessive and unhealthy interest in them. They themselves are equally pleased by both errors and hail a materialist or a magician with the same delight. Did you catch that? As far as Satan's concerned, he doesn't care if you believe in him or not. If you don't believe in him, he can sneak away and get a, uh, sneak around and get away with doing a whole lot of things that you'll never even think belong to him and that he wasn't up to anything. But if you do believe in him and you're so um, absorbed in looking for him and being afraid of him, then you end up giving him more credit than, than he is due. Um, so this is what that writer said. While it's true that witches do not directly worship Satan or practice Satanism, their occult practices such as divination and their worship of false gods and of each other and themselves, which they explain as worshiping the goddess within, these practices can open them to demonic activity. To make the case, though, it's imperative to present it in a manner that won't be dismissed out of hand. All right, the second thing I said that I found out in that article was that witches question authority. Um, throwing a bucket of cold water on a witch's personal experiences will not be easy, particularly since one of the frightening aspects of witchcraft is that some witches do have, and blithely report, extraordinary preternatural experiences. I think he's using that word instead of the word supernatural. Incidents that could and should scare away many dabblers from playing with forces beyond their control are recounted by witchcraft's apologists as affirmative of their path. Karat tells of a man who once dreamed of being prey of a monstrous creature. Ultimately, in the dream, he was captured by the creature and rather than taking this as a sign he should consider the path down which he was heading, he awoke deeply transformed by the dream's ending because he believed tremendous love was felt for him by the creature. This man eventually became a Wiccan priest. So how can a Christian argue against a belief like that? Ultimately, it may be that a Damascus Road moment might be necessary to sway someone that deeply entrenched in traffic with preternatural creatures, preter, whatever, supernatural creatures. To those who are not as enmeshed, a Christian can point out that sometimes apologists for the occult have warned their readers not to be taken in by their experiences with the spirits. In a section of his book titled Practicing Safe Spirituality, author Carl McCollman gives a checklist of some common sense precautions 
Occultists should be aware of while meditating, doing ritual, reflecting on your dreams, or doing any other spiritual work that may involve contact with spirits. The first item on the list is don't automatically believe everything you hear. Just because a spirit says something doesn't make it so. (laughs) And this quote was out of a book called The Complete Idiot's Guide to Paganism. So those were two parts of that article I had mentioned in the previous episode that I wanted to swing back around and um, read to you. Now I want to go back to my daretoshare.org article on um, how to share the gospel with, um, with Wiccans. And so in this article, it, this is the advice given. Here are questions that you can ask. Uh, a Wiccan, uh, a practicing witch, somebody who's practicing witchcraft. You can ask, what's your spiritual background? What's the one thing that you would like the most about your Wiccan, that you like the most about your Wiccan beliefs? Have you ever had a supernatural or paranormal experience? Do you believe there are good spirits and evil spirits? Do you ever talk about your beliefs with others who see things the same way? Or do you feel pretty isolated when it comes to your religion? Have you ever been mocked or rejected for being a Wiccan by those who claim to be Christians? What do you think happens after we die? Who do you think Jesus was? What do you think of Jesus' claim that he was God and the way back to God? Has anyone ever explained the gospel to you? And by the way, when I read these questions, I thought, this is so good. Because one of the things that I have really am trying to practice and have had a hard time implementing is when I'm in conversations with people to ask more questions and make far less statements because um, conviction comes from inside of them, not outside. And so it's much more important to develop the skill of helping them express what they're thinking and feeling rather than expecting them to be still and listen to what you're thinking and feeling. It's not a time for you to fine-tune your convictions. It's a time for you to um, ask them questions so that they can express theirs. I shared with you from this article what Wiccans believe and versus what the Bible teaches. And so this part I wanted to share, it's things to remember. Most Wiccans are extremely sensitive toward anything that sounds intolerant and or judgmental. So approach matters of right and wrong with extreme caution. They also often see Christianity as an oppressive religion. So be sure to show love and respect as someone who represents the Christian faith. One of the tools that Satan uses to try to intimidate us when we're witnessing is to challenge us with the sordid history of the church. You do not have to be an expert in church history in order to witness. In fact, your love, your presence, your compassion, and um, your, your genuine interest is going to do far more good than your defense of the church especially when you don't really know what the heck they're talking about. And um, one of my responses when the church 
is being challenged, Christianity is being challenged because of the history of the church. One of my responses is that in situations where people were being killed in the name of Jesus, that was not the Spirit of God or Jesus that were that was um, making that happen. That was a distortion, a counterfeit, a deception. It was Satan working in order to profane, to smear the name of God. And um, what's beautiful is that the church has survived all of that. And of course, the church has survived and will continue to survive because Jesus himself said that the gates of hell would not prevail. But he did not say that the gates of hell would not try to prevail. And the gates of hell have been trying to prevail. There's plenty of evidence of that throughout history in all kinds of wicked and distorted ways. And we cannot deny it. But we also don't have to get caught up in a discussion of that that gets us all confused. All right, another thing this article said to remember is to ask your Wiccan friend what they believe about Christianity because they might have a distorted image of what it actually is. And try to use this as an opportunity to help them develop a correct understanding. Or at least just share your understanding and why you ascribe to your Christian faith. Third is don't confuse Wiccans with witches because anyone can practice witchcraft, but Wiccans follow a strict code. Also, don't confuse Wiccans with Satanists because most Wiccans don't even believe in Satan at all. I'm looking up what that code is. Um, their, their one rule is harm no one, do what you will. So harm no one, do what you will. Uh, another thing to remember is to outline the strengths and the reliability of the Bible, its accuracy, its consistency, the fulfilled prophecies of Scripture. And I've got a great illustration about the fulfilled prophecies of Scripture. I believe I put it in a blog post. If I didn't, I will, and I'll add that to the show notes. Um, Wiccans reject the Bible as an unreliable source, so anything that you can share with them that might challenge them to reconsider that would be tremendously helpful. The, the next thing it said was stress your personal relationship with the Father through Jesus Christ and what impact that has had on your heart and life. I had someone ask me one time to put like in one sentence why I so ascribe to Christianity. And, I, and I, my response was really two things. Well, and then I added a third. <laughs> the first was that I know genuine peace, that no matter what storms come my way, what challenges I've had, and I've had my fair share, what crises I've been in, I deep under every bit of that have peace. The second thing I told him was that um, I am never alone. Even when I'm by myself, I'm not alone because the spirit of the living God is with me. And he's been with me in so many things that um, I, 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 I cannot deny it just is. And the third thing, and then I threw in, I said, and then, of course, there is the fact that I know that when I take my last breath here, my next breath will be with him in heaven. So even through the, um, the shadow of the valley, the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil because I know that he's with me and he'll carry me right through. So anyway, that was my response when, when that was being asked of me. And the last thing this article said was whether your friend knows it or not, they're in the grips of Satan. So like you would with a Satanist, be sure to cover your relationship and conversations with them in a ton of prayer. And in just a minute, we're going to practice 
some of that. I also wanted to share with you from a Focus on the Family article that's entitled, um, well, I'm not sure what it's, what it's entitled. Let me look at it again. It's a Focus on the Family article um, about Wicca. And um, uh, let me see. Well, yeah. I'm scrolling down. I'm going to put a reference to this article too, but I'm not going to. I'm not going to quote from it. The one I want to quote from is um, the hidden traps of Wicca. Um, no, that's not it. That's not the one. Sorry. Let me go back and see what it is. There you go. Wicca: What you should know. Here are the characteristics of Wicca that may seem appealing. Their tolerance and openness. Hashtags that they use are mindfulness, meditation, spirituality, wellness. And this connects them across social media platforms. In a quick search, you'll find that they overlap with areas of mysticism and tolerance found in corners of the LGBT community and in offering the promise of acceptance no matter who you are or what you do. Um, so Wicca especially appeals to younger teens who feel pressured to show tolerance. Um, Wicca is hungry to reestablish the matriarchy. One of their primary goals is to reestablish female power and usher in a new era of goddess worship. And this is part um, of a flawed reimagining of history in which pre-Christian ancient societies were matriarchal and utopian. Both Wicca and feminism share an overarching desire to replace male rule with female rule, effectively reversing gender roles rather than embracing a biblical view of men and women. Female powers viewed as not only necessary to escape the patriarchy, but intrinsic and natural. They also um, are all about emotional highs. It, Wicca promises a safe medium to manage and heighten one's emotions. Wiccans believe that connecting with nature enables them to both receive and give extensive healing and miracles. But what happens when you can't replicate the same results every single time? These highs ultimately are not grounded in universal consistent truth. And one of the things that does end up happening is emotional experiences and the practice of Wicca can do damage to relationships that are precious. And so although in some ways experiences are heightened, in other ways relationships are, are hurt, they're broken, and they're destroyed. And it's been my observation that people that are practicing and running after and going after these um, connections with the energies tend to have um, more highs and lows. They tend to be um, anxious. They tend to be um, quick-tempered and um, angry, much more angry than they ever were before and m more volatile in relationships. In Wicca, you can experience your own reality, and, and this promise of being able to influence your reality sounds particularly appealing to young people who might feel powerless. And through incantations and, incantations and rituals, Wicca promises an outlet for people to manipulate power in the universe for their personal benefit. 
Unfortunately, as appealing as these offerings sound, they can lead down a path of self-destruction. And as Christians, we know that true tolerance and openness is found in the example of Jesus. Biblical tolerance clearly outlines that we're called to share God's truth with others in gentleness and respect, 1 Peter 3, 15 and 16. Since God is a God of truth, we faithfully share His words in any environment. Secular tolerance draws its version of truth from the world. Biblical tolerance rests on the foundation of Jesus' words, I am the way and the truth and the life. And it is Jesus who teaches us how to listen, respect, and love others well. The matriarchy diminishes the importance of each person. The drive to place one gender as the dominant force in society is misguided. The distinction between male and female shows how both genders reflect the creator. You see, we were both made in the image of God. Men reflect um, the image of God and women reflect the image of God. One is not better than the other. One is not first. The other is not second. We are both equally significant and we find our greatest worth and value when we operate inside of the um, reflection of God's image that he gave us rather than competing to be as good as or like and the same as each other. Regarding emotional highs, in Jeremiah 17, 9, we read that the heart is more deceitful than all things and desperately wicked. Who can understand it? Jeremiah 17, 9. This is especially true for those who do not trust in God's gifts of grace and salvation. But this verse also serves as warning to believers, reminding us that our sinful nature can influence us negatively. However, in Psalm 73, 26, we're encouraged with this truth. My flesh and my heart fails, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Our emotions can be unstable and will always fluctuate, but God is steadfast and stable and we can rely on that truth. Regarding the influence of reality, in Ephesians three fourteen through 16, Paul writes to a group of people who are plagued by the desire for control. He writes, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of His glory we may grant you to be strengthened with power through His Spirit in your inner being. And finally, in this article it states that God is the sole source of our power. When we look elsewhere, we're like a power strip plugging into itself rather than into the wall outlet. In order to be effective, a power strip must first plug into a larger source of power. The same is true for us. As Christians, we find our source of power in God, who has the perfect plan for our lives. Just a powerful, um, great article about how we can be grounded in the Lord when we're um, interacting with and responding to those who aren't. And now um, to wrap up this episode and really this whole series regarding Halloween, I want to read from a couple of prayer books that I have, um, and I'll share these also, the, the sources themselves on the show notes. Make sure that you grab that. The beauty of this is only one of these is a regular size book. The others are just little booklets, but they are rich in the prayers that they offer and the teaching that they offer about how to pray for those who are lost or have lost their way, who are being deceived. And so first of all, I want to um, share a prayer from a way to pray from a little booklet called Praying Effectively 
for the lost. And I'm sharing out of chapter four, where it's talking to us about um, the specific request. Um, and there are five specific ways that we can pray for the people that we know who may be practicing witchcraft or any other occult practices or be following after anything that um, is less than truth. Number one, the first thing that we do when we pray is pray for the individual by name, asking the Lord to do five things in his life. First of all, we ask the Lord to sanctify him or her. The writer says this may sound strange, but this is how God begins his work of redemption in every individual's life. He always sanctifies or sets apart a person for salvation before he saves them. The Bible clearly teaches this truth in 1 Peter 1, 2. Elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through sanctification of the Spirit unto obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. In other words, this is really a prayer. Well, 2 Thessalonians 2, 13 and 14 says, God hath from the beginning chosen you to salvation through sanctification of the Spirit and belief of the truth. And then he wrote, it's like God draws an invisible circle around the person and then begins to bring his influences to bear there. So, Father, we pray that you would set apart, and now you fill in the name of the person you're praying for, that you would set apart this um, dear one of mine, and you say it by name. And now that you have drawn a target on their lives, you have put a circle around them, you have targeted, you have designated them, you have set them apart for your work. Lord, we trust that now that you have done that, you yourself are getting inside that circle and incredible things are beginning to happen. And we, Lord, are eager to to be privy to seeing and hearing as much as you allow us to see and hear so that our prayers might be encouraged, our faith encouraged, and our prayers might grow even stronger. The second thing that we are supposed to pray over them um, is that God would just cover them with his blessing. Um, when Jesus sent his disciples into his harvest, he gave them specific instructions to, to say, peace be to this house, Luke 10, 1 through 5. It is always the goodness of God that leads individuals to repentance, Romans 2, 4. And so it's imperative that we implore God to liberally bless them. Lord, would you bless, now you fill in the name, would you just bless them with every ounce of your goodness? And Father, we know that you yourself are good and that you yourself have the best blessings. And so, Lord, we invite you to shower your goodness, your grace, your mercy, your kindness, your compassion, your long-suffering, all that you are into all that they are right inside of that very circle. God, just bless them richly with who you are. Thirdly, we ask the Lord to convict them since conviction is absolutely necessary for salvation. Only the Holy Spirit can bring someone under conviction, so we do well to plead John 16, 8 through 11 in our prayers. Conviction basically means to convince of a fault. The fault or problem of the lost is in not believing on Jesus, and this is the sin of which the Holy Spirit convicts. And so, Lord, we pray that, and you fill in their name, Lord, that they would be convicted of their sin of not believing in Jesus alone for their salvation.
Father, we ask that your Holy Spirit would bring them under conviction, that you would convince them of this fault in their lives. Father, we ask that you would point out to them the Lord Jesus Christ in all of his glory so that they can be saved. And then we ask for the Lord to illuminate their mind to the truth. It says here, even after one comes under conviction of his need for salvation, the gospel, um, his gospel blinded mind may remain closed to the light of the glorious gospel of Christ and he'll remain in spiritual darkness. But once the heart and the mind have been opened to the truth, God uses Christians to explain the gospel to him. So, Father, we are asking right now that you would illuminate the mind and the heart of, and you fill in the blanks, so that they will readily receive the truth of the gospel when it is spoken to them. Father, just open their minds and their hearts and do whatever it takes, Lord. And this is the last thing we pray, God, that you would save them. Lord, do whatever it takes to facilitate their salvation. Orchestrate events in their lives that are custom designed for them to bring them to repentance. This is a great little book, booklet, Praying Effectively for the Lost. Now I want to read a bondage-breaking prayer out of Sylvia Gunter's book called For the Family. Father, we come boldly to your throne of grace and find mercy and grace to help in time of need. Grant, and you fill in the name of your person, release from bondage to strongholds of the enemy. We plead the blood of Jesus to cancel all commands of the powers of darkness in life. Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. His blood defeated the God of this age. In Jesus' name, take back all ground has given to the enemy. Draw out of bondage and deception. We have the heavenly intercession of the Holy Spirit and Jesus. Father, focus the intercession of the Spirit on Answer these prayers according to your perfect will. Lord Jesus, our intercessor, apply all your mighty work against the enemy. Bring all the power of the incarnation, crucifixion, resurrection, and ascension against the assignment seeking to destroy. Most high God, contend with those who contend with. Rebuke the enemy in all his operations. Dispatch mighty warrior angels to do battle on behalf. Send your light and your truth and lead. Remove all spiritual blindness, deafness, and hardness of heart. Grant eyes to see, ears to hear, and a heart that seeks you. I plead your mercy and grace over all personal sin, failure, and family iniquities. Break through and heal wounded spirit. Bind a hedge of thorns around that will repel all the works of darkness in. This battle is not against flesh and blood, and we have spiritual weapons that set captives free. By your Holy Spirit, break every yoke of bondage in life. Grant 
conviction of sin with godly sorrow to repentance and deliverance from captivity, set completely free. It is written, you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. We overcome by the blood of the lamb and by the word of our testimony. Thank you for your mighty work by the blood of Christ Jesus. Thank you for granting me the grace, power, persistence, and love and intercession for with faith for until you are glorified in their life. In Jesus' name, amen. And that particular prayer was adapted, it says, in a bridge from the adversary by Mark Bubeck, um, who she says has also written other mighty doctrinal prayers. What a powerful prayer. On page 18 in this little blue booklet by Sylvia Gunter. And this will be our final prayer. It's a prayer... um, it says Holy Spirit fire prayers. <laughs> and this is from a man that was a former Satanist who now is a powerful, dynamic um, believer and teacher on spiritual warfare, John Ramirez. In the name of Jesus, the name that is above every name, I attack the devil and the demons that have been assigned to attack me in every way. I bind up every unclean spirit that is working against me in Jesus' name. I break and destroy going back 10 generations on my father's side and 10 generations on my mother's side. Any iniquities known and unknown in my family bloodline, let them be destroyed now in Jesus' name. I bind up principalities and powers, rulers of the darkness of this world, spiritual wickedness and host in high places, and the prince of power of the air over my region to release and loose my family, every church in my area, myself, in Jesus' name. I bind up the strong man. And the strong man might be the spirit of rejection. It might be the spirit of pride. It might be um, the spirit of the divine feminine. It might be a spirit of rebellion. I bind up the strong man and the old man and every stronghold of every demonic spirit that is trying to plague and confuse my loved ones and me. I destroy them in Jesus' name. I bind up the spirits of infirmity, sickness, disease, pain, addiction, affliction, calamity, and premature death that are trying to operate against my family, my loved ones, and me. I cut them at the root, never to return in Jesus' name. I come against, in the name of Jesus, every spirit of poverty that's trying to steal my promises and blessings. I dismantle them in Jesus' name. I bind up the spirits of strife and division, backbiting, gossip, criticism, and judgment. I smite them with the blood of Jesus seven times, break myself free from them in Jesus' name. I destroy, in the name of Jesus, the spirits of resistance, hindrance, revenge, retaliation, and retribution that are trying to come against my family, my ministry, and me, letting them attack one another and be destroyed in Jesus' name. I come against, in the name of Jesus, any lying, seducing, or deceiving spirit that's trying to attack me or my family. I send judgments of God upon their heads in Jesus' name. I bind up every spirit of fear, doubt, unbelief, discouragement, despair, or depression that is trying to come against me. I ask God to send angels from Michael's quarters to destroy them now in Jesus' name. I bind up the spirits of pride, rebellion, disobedience, ego, independence, lack of forgiveness, bitterness, and lust. Let them be destroyed. Destroyed now in Jesus' name. I bind up any spirit of envy, covetousness, jealousy, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the world, the pride of life, the spirit of mammon, the spirits of pity and hopelessness, and every wicked, unclean spirit that accompanies these spirits. I destroy them now in Jesus' name. In the name of
name of Jesus, I bind up every root of fear, anxiety, worry, stress, tension, frustration, disappointment, and discouragement. I bind up all these devils that are working against me in the name of Jesus. I bind up every attack that's operating in my immune system, every affliction, every disease, every accident, every demonic spirit that's trying to abort my purpose and destiny. I bind up in the name of Jesus every tongue that rises against me and I condemn it in judgment. I bind up every snare or trap of the evil one that's trying to operate against me in Jesus' name. May the Lord Jesus Christ rebuke you all. I loose in the mighty name of Jesus Christ freedom, liberation, peace, joy, hope, gladness, love, healing, wholeness, nothing missing and nothing broken, mercy, grace, blessings, and favor, restoration of all the years the locusts and the canker worms have eaten in your life. I loose an open heaven over your life in the name of Jesus. I loose in Jesus' name love, meekness, obedience, and kindness upon you. I loose upon you compassion, consideration for others, submissiveness, and divine healing. I loose the desires of your heart according to the purpose of Jesus Christ in your life. I loose the blessings and promises of the Lord upon your life, family, ministry, and home. I speak and loose breakthrough in every area of your life. A double portion of God's blessing be upon you, your children, your home, your marriage and ministry now in Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus, I lose promotion, breakthrough, restoration, and restitution over your life. I lose a hedge of protection over your mind, over your heart, and over your emotions. In Jesus' name, thank you, Jesus. I speak into your life in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, a new harvest, a new season. I speak boldness and a fresh anointing in Jesus Christ's name. Lord, I thank you and praise you for a fresh anointing that will keep me every day of my life. I give you the entire honor, all the praise and worship, all the days of my life in the unmatchable name of your son, Jesus. Christ. Woo, my friend, that is some powerful praying. I hope that you will take it to heart. Father, your word is faithful and true. It is powerful. There is nothing that can stand against you and the power of your spirit and the, and the power of your word. Thank you, Jesus, for bringing this reality into our lives. And we invite you now to go in all of the strength and the power of your might and do what our prayers have released in the powerful and precious and beautiful name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. There you have it, my praying people. I just about lost my voice in that praying. And I am here to say that if you will practice praying like this, invite the Lord to teach you. Find prayers. Go look up these books. Get you some prayer books of your own if that um, helps. And and um, continue. I mean, just beat on heaven's doors. Not because God is reluctant, but because as we pray, the release of the storehouses of heaven will just continue to flow and avalanche and cover and press back all of the powers of darkness that are holding people captive. So um, now that you're learning how to pray, now that you're understanding these things, please be aware and pay attention to who God puts into your life because you're being equipped, God may very well give you opportunities to interact with, build relationships with, and to express his love and his compassion for those whom he does love who've been deceived. Thank you for listening. As always, please share this podcast with others, and I look forward to talking to you next time.